Hello, and welcome to History Tarts. Bite-sized morsels of history they never taught us in school. Mayfield, and this is History Tarts, a podcast where we look at events in history, but not in the way it's presented at school. Here's my podcast partner in crime, Graham Cairns. Thanks, Ned. I don't know why so many people hated history at school. Well, actually, I do. It's because they were taught history that was dull and boring and full of names and dates, but not stories of real, living, breathing people with all of their triumphs and their tragedies and their high points and their heartbreaks. So that's what we're going to do in these podcasts. Take apart the events of history and look at what really happened and why. The good, the bad, the ugly, and quite frankly, the ridiculous. So history tartlets... Let's get baking. Hey, Annette, you know how Alcatraz is on an island, right? Mm-hmm. And you need to catch a ferry to reach it? Yeah, makes sense. Well, before you can even get on board that ferry, you have to have pre-purchased tickets because it's such a popular trip. But if you could join a queue to get to Alcatraz, what would you call that? Oh, it's a joke, isn't it? You'd call it an alkaline. Uh, (laughs) All right, it's bad, I know, but today we're looking at Alcatraz, which is one of the most famous island prisons in the world. First up, when I say birds and Alcatraz, what's your immediate thought? I've no idea. There's lots of birds on Alcatraz, I guess, being an island. Most people, when they think of birds and Alcatraz, they think of the Birdman of Alcatraz, which was a famous movie with Burt Lancaster. You may even have seen it. I think it might have been a bit before my time. Quite possibly. (laughs) But there are, in fact, more direct connections with birds and Alcatraz, including the very name Alcatraz. So here is a question. How did Alcatraz get its name? It might have been named Gannet Island, or Pelican Island, or even Large Bird That We Haven't Identified Island. But when Spanish naval officer Juan Manuel de Ayala y Aranza sailed into what is now San Francisco Bay, he named the rock Isla del Alcatraces, or the Island of the Big Birds. That was eventually anglicised as Alcatraz, for which I am grateful, by the way, because my Spanish accent is terrible. I was just thinking how great it was. (laughs) I could never pronounce that. Well, either way, a legend was born. There is, by the way, another connection with Alcatraz and birds, but that'll come up as we end this episode, I promise. So why, other than its connection with birds, is Alcatraz so famous? Perhaps because of its history as a terrible, inhumane prison that nobody ever escaped from? Yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be all right, except that it wasn't really terrible. It wasn't really inhumane. And there may, in fact, have been successful escapes after all. Well, we need to backtrack a bit. Back in the day, the Spaniards had taken control of Mexico, which then contained a whole swag of what is now the United States, including, well, the whole state of California. 
They had established a settlement in the area, which is now known as San Francisco, but they hadn't explored San Francisco Bay. That was a job that fell to Lieutenant de Ayala, who discovered what is now Alcatraz and also Yerba Buena Island, which actually means good herb, and Angel Island. Which means... Angel. They had lots of religious symbolism, the Spaniards, and that's why you have cities like Los Angeles, the city of the Uh angels and all that sort of stuff. But the thing is, when I say that the Ayala discovered Alcatraz and Yerba Buena and Angel Island... Discovered rather ignores the local indigenous people, the Ohlone people. They, they had discovered it long before. In fact, they had a fishing village on Yerba Buena and on Alcatraz. Didn't matter much, though, because once the Spaniards and later the Anglos settled into the area, well, it was inevitable that things would change. In fact, by the time of the gold rush, which was in the mid-1800s, there was nothing left of those native villages apart from a few cremation pits. Well, just... Just wow, um, you know, British people saying, I've discovered this thing. I don't know where I've heard that before, Graham. Yeah, there, there is a certain amount of Europe discovering stuff uh, when there are already people there, but we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Because the Ohlone lost the vast majority of their population between 1780 and 1850. They had an abysmal birth rate. There was a very high infant mortality rate. There were the diseases, most of which were introduced by the Europeans, and social upheaval associated with the European immigration into California. But while they as a people became virtually extinct, their spiritual descendants didn't forget, and they claimed sovereignty over Alcatraz more than a century later. And we'll talk about that a little later in this episode. But in any case... The Spaniards had built a few small buildings on the island of Alcatraz, but nothing much happened until 1850 when the US took over. And President Millard Fillmore, I mean, I just love this dude's name, Millard Fillmore, he ordered the construction of not a prison, but a military reservation. This is about the time of the US-Mexican War, and there were fortifications being built to protect San Francisco from foreign powers. But then came the US Civil War, and instead of Alcatraz being a fortress to keep outsiders out, it actually became a storehouse of weapons to keep those weapons out of the hands of traitors, or Confederate sympathisers, who were in fact traitors. Those traitors were then locked up in the stockade on Alcatraz, which marked its first use as a prison. But that's not going to be its last use as a prison. Civil War prisoners of war were also incarcerated on Alcatraz. There were also Union soldiers who were convicted of various crimes. Oh, and there was one last group that were imprisoned there. Hopi Indian men. They were locked up because they refused to send their children to white-run boarding schools, to schools whose stated aim was to civilise and assimilate those Native Americans, effectively wiping out their history and their religion and their culture. Again, I feel like I've... Heard this story before? Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, the, uh, the Hopi men who refused to allow their children to be sent to those schools were in fact locked up on Alcatraz and the kids got sent to the schools anyway. So, by 1910... The the famous concrete cell block that is the most obvious feature of Alcatraz was under construction. But it still remained largely a military prison until 1933 
when it was officially converted into a federal penitentiary to house the worst of the worst. If you tried to escape from one of the other federal penitentiaries, they would send you to Alcatraz. This is the era of Al Capone and Machine Gun Kelly and Mickey Cohen and Doc Barker. I know Machine Gun Kelly. He is the one who is or, or was or wait, still is engaged to Megan Fox. I think that might be a different Machine Gun Kelly. This one was not a nice dude, I have to tell you. Now, I am not going to comment on rappers and those that are married or or hanging out with with Megan Fox. That's not the point. This is an era of pretty bad dudes. There were also, I might tell you, some political prisoners. Uh, Rafael Cancel Miranda. He was a Puerto Rican activist. He was the dude who attacked the US Capitol building. Oh, and there was also Robert Stroud. Who's Robert Stroud? Yeah, I know. We've talked about him a few minutes ago. Robert Stroud was known as the Birdman of Alcatraz. Now, I know this was before your time, but many listeners will have seen the movie with Burt Lancaster. It portrays Stroud as a victim of a crooked system who rises above to become a genius ornithologist. Well, a skilled ornithologist he was, but he was also an absolute mongrel of a man. I mean, he was convicted of shooting a barman in the face for underpaying one of his prostitutes and then stabbed a prison guard to death because the guard had forced him to abide by prison rules. He was generally a violent, antisocial thug, and while he did work with birds in earlier prisons, he didn't do any at Alcatraz, but it didn't affect the fact that he was called the Birdman of Alcatraz. It's not as if movies about Alcatraz are noted for their accuracy anyway. His name is John Mason, a British national incarcerated on Alcatraz in 1962, escaped in 63. I was under the impression that no one ever escaped Alcatraz, sir. Paxton, don't argue. This man has no identity, not in the United States or Great Britain. He does not exist, understand? I want one thing, how he escaped the rocks, specifically the route he took through the island's bowels. That's from the 1996 film The Rock. That was the one that had Sean Connery as a James Bond-esque character who'd escaped from Alcatraz 30 years earlier. Oh, and Nicolas Cage. Do you remember the film? No. I know the people, though. I know the people. i got to tell you, it was an okay sort of film, but it was the sort of movie where you leave your brain power at the door because you know you're not going to need it for the next two hours. That's my favourite type of film, to be honest. Well, it was supposed to be set on Alcatraz, but virtually nothing was actually filmed on The Rock. I mean, I was at Alcatraz about ten years later, and I was looking for where the scenes were shot, because I'm that sort of dude, but virtually nothing was recognisable. Actually, talking about being at Alcatraz, I have to mention my wife Shirley and I spent our 30th wedding anniversary on Alcatraz as tourists, and she locked me in a cell there. (laughs) Somehow seemed appropriate for a 30th wedding anniversary. Did did you tell a bad joke and that was... (laughs) (laughs) Of course I told a bad joke, it's what I do! Anyway, let's take a look at other movies about Alcatraz. I mean, after all, that's where most of us get our knowledge of Alcatraz and the famous rock. I mentioned that The Rock was pretty inaccurate, but perhaps not as inaccurate as Skidoo. This is a movie which you've almost certainly not heard of. It was an Otto Preminger film from 1968 that... Well, let me just give you the synopsis. Jackie Gleason plays a malcontented mobster who is perpetually at odds with his wife, Carol Channing. When he receives an unusual assignment from God, that's a crime lord played by Groucho Marx, (laughs) he reluctantly accepts 
and has to get himself arrested and incarcerated on Alcatraz with the sole purpose of killing a friend, an imprisoned convict, Mickey Rooney. But his mission gets completely derailed when he takes LSD accidentally and has this acid-based mind-expanding experience which leads to an ambitious escape plan a plan which involves, amongst other things, making a giant hot air balloon out of bits and pieces that they find on the island. Now, I'm not making this up. Mm. Many of the scenes were, in fact, shot on Alcatraz, particularly the exteriors. Alcatraz was called Federal Rock Island Penitentiary in this train wreck of a movie. But it was a movie which featured Frankie Avalon. You may remember Frankie Avalon from Beach Blanket Bingo and movies with Annette Funicello. But it also featured Batman baddies Frank Gorshin, he was the Riddler in the Batman TV show, Cesar Romero, who played the Joker, and Burgess Meredith, who played the Penguin. It also had Michael Constantine, who uttered the infamous line, Maybe if I take some of this LSD, I wouldn't have to rape anyone anymore. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yep, yep. Do I, am I suggesting that you should go and see Skidoo? No, no, I am not. Uh, yeah. Well, I was going to rush out of here and download it. Or no. No, completely, completely stream it. Yes, legally, yep. of course. Legally stream yes, it, yeah. Yep. No, actually, if Alcatraz films are your thing, then you might instead wish to check out the Clint Eastwood movie Escape from Alcatraz. You've escaped from quite a few prisons, haven't you? That's why you're here. Alcatraz was built to keep all the rotten eggs in one basket. I was specially chosen to make sure that the stink from the basket does not escape. Since I've been warden, a few people have tried to escape. Uh, most of them have been recaptured. Those that haven't have been killed or drowned in the bay. No one has ever escaped from Alcatraz. And no one ever will. <laughs> Famous last words, maybe. Now, we don't know how many prison escape attempts there were during the 75 years that Alcatraz was an army prison. But we do know that in the 30-odd years as the most notorious federal penitentiary, that's from 1934 through till 1963, there were 14 attempts. And officially, officially, none of them were successful. Let's run through a few of those. In 1936, there was a prisoner who was shot dead while climbing over a chain-link fence. Now, the thing is, his death may in fact have been a case of suicide by cop, because there was never any chance that he would be able to escape climbing over the fence in broad daylight. And he had tried to take his own life on multiple occasions. So it may not have been a particularly serious attempt at escaping, more a suicide attempt. But then 18 months later, two prisoners soared through the bars of their work area and jumped into the water during heavy fog when they weren't seen by the guards. It's almost certain that they drowned because the water was freezing and the strong currents would have carried them away from land rather than toward the foreshore, which was about two kilometres away. In 1938, two prisoners killed a guard with a claw hammer and then climbed up onto the roof where one was shot dead and the other surrendered. The next year, five of the prison's most notorious inmates managed to escape from the high-security D-block, but as they were putting together a makeshift raft, they were spotted and fired upon by the guards. One was killed, another was wounded, the remaining three got sent to solitary. 1941, two escape attempts in that year. In one, five prisoners tried to cut through the bars, but 
the strengthened steel made them give up after a few minutes. Uh, and then later in the same year, a prisoner jumped into the water to try to swim across San Francisco Harbour, but he gave up within moments because it was just so cold. And I've got to tell you, the water in San Francisco Bay is freezing cold. The reason that you get those fogs across San Francisco is because the coldness of the water hitting the slightly warmer water of the ocean creates the fogs, and that's why you get the fogs which roll across San Francisco. You also said it was two kilometres. Mm, 2K is a long way to swim. Yeah. We do have one recorded successful attempt to get across that two kilometres. That's a little later. 1934 saw one of the more interesting attempts. We had four prisoners who sealed some army uniforms that they'd found. Remember, this used to be an army camp. Mm -hmm. Well, they filled some army uniforms into cans and they intended to use those as flotation devices, but unfortunately they left two of them behind, which was always going to be a bit of a problem. They then bound and gagged two guards, but one guard was able to get his whistle loose while the other got rid of his gag and blew his partner's whistle. This is not a euphemism. He actually sort of <laughs> and blew the whistle. The other guards heard this whistle blowing and opened fire on the fleeing prisoners, one of whom was hit and sank below the waves. The second was picked up by a prison launch. The third fled into a cave on the island where he was tracked by blood, which he was trailing. So that's three. What about the fourth one? Initially, they thought that he'd drowned, but no. Turns out he was already hiding in that cave and gave up after a couple of days because he had no food or water. <laughs> Climbed back through the same window that they had escaped from, hid under some rags, and then emerged the next day to say, oh, I've been here all the time. No, 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 no. His mates ratted him out and said, you were with us, you, you. So, yeah. 1945, we saw a prisoner slip this is actually, I thought, this is creative. He again dressed in some army gear that he had found on the island. He slipped onto a ferry heading to nearby Angel Island, but he was noticed missing in a head count, and they radioed ahead, and he was detained just as he was getting off the ferry. So, not successful. The most violent escape attempt was 1946, when a failed attempt by six prisoners led to what's known as the Battle of Alcatraz. They took control of the cell house by overpowering correctional officers and they were able to enter the weapons room, the gun room, and obtain the keys to the recreation yard door. Now, the idea was that they'd get into the recreation yard and then they would get out the recreation yard, get down to the dock, get onto a boat. They had the keys to get into the yard, but they didn't have the keys to get out the other side. So they decided, no, nah, we're going to battle it out. In the fight that ensued, they managed to hold two correctional officers hostage. Eventually they killed them. Marines intervened to help the correctional officers, killed three of the prisoners. There were 17 other guards and one prisoner also injured during this battle. That, by the way, was the last attempt for about 10 years. In 1956 and 1958, another couple of attempts. In one of those, a prisoner intended to make a raft out of driftwood, only to discover that there wasn't actually any driftwood to make the raft out of. In the other, we got two prisoners who tried to make their way across the bay, two kilometres, remember, mm -hmm. using plastic bags and wooden swim fins. They, they actually made a set of flippers out of wood. Well, one was rescued. That was the one using the plastic bags as a flotation device. He was rescued. The other, uh, using the wooden fins, well, he drowned. His body was actually washed up about two weeks later. Mm. 
Then in 1962 came what may have been the only successful escape attempt and the subject of that Eastwood film that we heard a little from before. I'll let Wikipedia tell the tale here. Frank Morris, John Anglin and his brother Clarence successfully carried out one of the most intricate escapes ever devised. This was on June 11, 1962. Behind the prisoner's cells in cell block B, where the escapees were interned, was an unguarded, one metre wide utility corridor. The prisoners chiselled away the moisture-damaged concrete from around an air vent leading to the corridor. They used tools such as metal spoons and forks, which had been soldered with silver from a coin, and an electric drill improvised from a stolen vacuum cleaner motor. It would have been fairly noisy, but the noise was disguised by accordions being played during the music hour, about an hour and a half. Music hour seemed to last longer than an hour. Or maybe it was just listening to accordion music and that always makes things sound like it's dragging. But anyway, their progress was concealed by that noise and also by false walls, which in the dark recesses of their cells fooled the guards. Now, as an aside, if this is beginning to sound like the plot from The Shawshank Redemption, well, there's probably no coincidence. Anyway, the escape route then led up through an air vent through a shaft large enough for a man to climb through. Sealing a cord from the prison workshop, the prisoners removed the rivets from the grill and substituted dummy rivets made from soap. The escapees were given more than 50 rubber raincoats by other inmates to use as a raft for the trip to the mainland, which they prepared on the top of the cell block, concealed from the guards by sheets which had been put over the sides. So this was, as I say, quite a complex attempt. They then left paper mache heads in their cell bunks and escaped through a vent in the roof and departed Alcatraz. I mentioned before that my wife Shirley and I have visited Alcatraz. That was back in 2009. The cells belonging to those men are still made up with those fake heads and bedrolls to show how it was done. The official investigation by the FBI was aided by another prisoner, Alan West. He was also part of the escapees group, but he got left behind. Why? Well, he was unable to fit through the hole, and so he had to keep chipping to break through, and by the time he finally got there, the others had already scarpered. Oh, Alan. Yeah, well, these things are sent to try us. Very sent to try him, at least. Now, no conclusive evidence has ever surfaced favouring the success or failure of the attempt. The official FBI report on the escape concludes that the prisoners drowned in the cold waters of the bay while trying to reach the mainland. But on the other hand, the US Marshal Service case file remains open and active. There's circumstantial evidence uncovered in the early 2010s which seems to suggest that the men had in fact survived and that contrary to the official FBI report of the raft never being recovered and no car thefts being reported, a raft was in fact discovered on nearby Angel Island with footprints leading away and a car had been stolen on the night of the escape by three men who could have been Morris and the Anglins. Relatives of the Anglin brothers presented further circumstantial evidence in the mid-2010s to support a long-standing rumour that those brothers had actually fled to Brazil following the escape. Of course, all of this ignores the fact that the badly decomposed body of a man dressed in what might have been prison blues was found up the coast from San Francisco a week or two later. So did they escape? Well, we can never know. But I think we can rule out the lurid suggestions that they'd been eaten by sharks, because there are sharks in San Francisco Bay. 
but they're just little sharks and they're not man-eaters. In any case, there was only one more escape from Alcatraz. That was in December that year. In this case, one prisoner managed to make it about 80 metres to what's known as Little Alcatraz. That's a rocky outcrop. The other actually made it all the way across San Francisco Harbour to the Golden Gate Bridge. It's the only proven case of an inmate swimming to shore from Alcatraz, but it didn't do him any good. He was exhausted after that, as you imagine he would be. He was suffering from hypothermia, and there were some passing teenagers, and he just gave himself up to them. (laughs) What? So that was the last escape attempt. Why? Well, because the following year, the federal government closed down Alcatraz as a prison. Not because of the escapes, it was because Alcatraz was getting too expensive to operate. The very things that made it such a great location for a prison, its isolation, the fact that everything had to go in and out by boat, the fact that all of the cells were single cells, the fact that prison showers were hot, to stop inmates from getting acclimatised to the bitterly cold waters of San Francisco Bay. All of those made Alcatraz very expensive. In fact, by the time it closed as a prison, Alcatraz was costing the US government three times as much per prisoner as the average cost of a federal pen. So in 1963, it closed down as a prison. And then it just sat there and languished for 40 years, right? Well, I guess so. Nope, not really. For the next five years or so, there were a whole lot of ideas. I mean, I love some of these. There was a a proposal for a monument to the United Nations on Alcatraz. There was a proposal for a West Coast Statue of Liberty to be built on Alcatraz. And, of course, more prosaic commercial suggestions like a hotel and resort. I mean, if you want to go to a resort, why wouldn't you want to go to a resort that had been the most notorious federal penitentiary in the world? And there were proposals for a shopping centre, because it's America and a shopping centre is always going to be a proposal. Mm-hmm. Lots more. But then in 1969, a group calling themselves Indians of all tribes occupied Alcatraz, hoping to set up a cultural centre and education complex. You remember we talked earlier about the Ohlone people, how yeah. they'd established this fishing village on Alcatraz and on nearby Yerba Buena? Mm-hmm. Well, the argument was that by occupying Alcatraz, 20th century spiritual descendants of the Ohlone were merely taking back what had been theirs. There was pretty widespread support for this group. I mean, this was, after all, San Francisco in the 1960s, in the period of flower power and the summer of love. And and so there were all the hippies and and, there were all the leftists and even the Hells Angels, for some reason, were all in support of this group. But unfortunately, the organising committee lost control and there were incidents of violence and arson and vandalism. And after about 18 months, marshals came in and took back control of the island. That was, as I say, in 1969 through to 1970. By 1972, Alcatraz had been officially converted to a national park, which it remains. 50 years later, and it is one of the most popular national parks in the United States. It attracts more than a million visitors each year. My wife and I were two of those. But that's just the human visitors. I mentioned that Alcatraz was initially named after the pelicans that were there in huge numbers. Yep. But as you can imagine, over the last 150, 200 years, with all of the development of San Francisco and of the whole area, the pelicans, they've, they've long gone. But they have been replaced by, I've got to tell you, the biggest seagulls I have ever seen. 
These birds, apparently officially known as the western gull, are much bigger than the gulls we see here in Australia. They can measure maybe 70 centimetres long with 1.4 metre wingspans. Imagine a seagull with a 1.4 metre wingspan. That, that's, that's almost bigger than I am. It's, it's a huge bird. They can weigh up to 1.4 kilos and they are fat. And they are sassy, and they strut around Alcatraz as if they are the lords of all they see, which, well, they might be. But here's the thing. California was one of the first states in the United States to legalise marijuana. And especially in San Francisco, you see discarded doobies everywhere. An unfortunate result of this is that the western gull often picks up and ingests that discarded cannabis, which has two impacts. One, of course, it gets the munchies, which happens when you ingest cannabis. I, and I, I wouldn't know, Graham. No, no, I, I've only heard this myself. But So they get even bigger and even fatter and even sassier. But the problem is that I fear that if they keep ingesting all of this cannabis, then one day we will never see a turn unstoned. Yeah. Yeah, good, good, good joke. I, I honestly forgot that you end things with a joke, and I was like, oh, no, what's the second bad thing? No, the second bad thing's a joke of Graham. Of course yeah. it is. It's a battle to get through these with you, Graham. On the subject of battles, in our next episode, The Battle of Brisbane. And if you've got something that you'd like us to give the history tarts treatment to, a story from history that you want to know more about, then make sure you send us an email at historytarts at gmail.com. Graham, we even have a website now. People can find us at historytarts.com. Fabulous. Or go to your favourite podcast purveyor and make sure that you subscribe to History Tarts.